Dr. Bill Hostler, along with his wife Margaret, served 25 years as a senior pastor at Colonial Woods from the late 70s until the mid-90s. During that time, Colonial Woods experienced tremendous growth and impact in the greater Blue Water community. Under his leadership, Colonial Woods began the Colonial Woods Counseling Center and underwent two building projects, including our current worship center. Following his time at Colonial Woods, Pastor Bill became a direct superintendent and later became the president of the missionary church serving 12 years. He continues to travel internationally, investing and developing leaders. He is an author, and his daily radio ministry, Keys to Confident Living, is heard on over 50 radio stations in 35 states. Pastor Phil Whetstone is known to the Colonial Woods family. Married to Tammy, he has led Colonial Woods for the past 21 years and served in a number of local and national ministry teams. Please welcome to the stage Dr. Bill Hostler and Pastor Phil Whetstone. Well, good morning, church. Great to see you this morning. How are you doing this morning? Great, great, great to have you with us. If you're joining online, I want to say welcome to you as well. And uh, Pastor Bill, I noticed they show all these dignified pictures of you Absolutely. and you in a ceremony. I'm holding a fish. That's, that's the difference between you and me. But we're glad you're with us this morning. Thank You've you. been here this weekend. You and Margaret, we're so, so pleased that you were able to join Thank us today. Thank you for inviting us. We're honored. I was trying to think the last time you were here speaking, maybe 10, 12. Yeah, I think it's so. been a little Hopefully. while. We've got to yeah. make that a little less this next okay. time. But uh, as we were coming together, when did you and Margaret first come to Colonial We Woods? came in 1974. 1974, and you were here till? 1998. So 25? 24, almost 25 years. Well, see, I've been joking with you. We get together quite regularly, and I've said, you know, my goal is to beat you by one week. That's that's it. I'm going to beat you by one week. Got a ways to go yet. But anyway, well, we're so delighted you're here. After you left Colonial Woods, you went down to the Ohio area. You were a regional superintendent, Mm -hmm. and then you uh, moved into the presidency and served 12 years, 12 years you did president. a wonderful job, always appreciated your leadership, and, and then after that you kind of started another career going back into the pastorate, mm-hmm. and just recently have stepped down from that, but you are overseeing our Michigan western yes, region, and you're planting churches, you, you keep fairly busy. God has given me good energy and good health, and we're delighted to do it, we love ministry, so... One of the latest things that you've really tied into is India. Tell us about that. Um, Tom Murphy, Dr. Tom Murphy, was on my staff for a number of years, said, Bill, you need to get more engaged in India. And I was pastoring, and so it just didn't work out. And so after I left the pastorate, I felt called there. And so I called uh, Rick Dugan, who's one of our world partners, mission directors, and uh, Shane D'Souza, who's in India. And I said, guys, God is leading me this way, and uh, if you could use some help in maybe helping to train disciples, I'd be glad to come and help out. And they said, uh, Bill, we started praying about three days ago for somebody to come and help us train disciples. We feel that you're the person that God has called. So I've made, uh, well, I made, I got, just got back in first of September. I'm headed in again in November. Kind of a quick turnaround, but God's opening those doors. Ministry. I think your statement was that you've always had a heart for missions, and now, is it fair to say you're over 65? You're north of 65. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but God. I bet we got a lot of wisdom here. You, what you had said was, uh, and now God's called me into the mission field. I get yeah. to be a missionary, so it's really neat. In fact, that's one of the partners that we're partnering with in our strategic partnerships. We had decided every year we choose partners, and we we give every week as a as a congregation toward missions and the world evangelism. But then every fall we set aside some additional projects that we want to go above and beyond. And we said, hey, this year let's invest in the groups and the people who have come out of Colonial Woods. You weren't born here, but you were here for such a a long period of time. And so India is one of those partnerships we Mm. want to partner with, and so your funds will will go to help that as well. Well, hey, let's dig into God's Word today. We're going to go back and forth. uh, We're going to try our best to do a little tandem back and forth here. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Last month when we were together, we talked about daring faith, daring to step across the line of salvation the line of surrender, and then taking that next step. This whole series, Faithful to the Harvest, has really about been celebrating what God has done as an indication of what God wants to do uh, through you and through our congregation in the future. God isn't just calling us to celebrate the past. He's, he wants us to look forward to what He's going to do in the days to come. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth, and he says these words. He says, uh, when I came to you, brothers, I I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, but I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest in man's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age have understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, and here it is, here's the focus, it is written No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. If you got your notes, read that with me, would you? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. What an incredible, call it audacious promise. A little nervy, right? Audacious is adventuresome. It is, a, it is a faith that is believing God for the great things. And how in the world could Paul make such an audacious promise? Certainly he's talking about heaven, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard. But all throughout Scripture, it talks about what God wants to do through his people who will simply trust him, trust his leading and his provision. And so as Paul is sharing this, and Bill and I a couple weeks ago started tag-teaming on this thing, one of the reasons that Paul can talk so, um, I want to say it so courageously about God's promise, is he'd already witnessed God's audacious power in his own life. Paul is a living testimony. He said, I didn't come to you with persuasive words or even abilities. No. I came as a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that you may not rest in my wisdom or anybody else's wisdom, but God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. He had seen a radical transformation in his life. He speaks about it often. 
you go back into Acts chapter 9, you'll see the Damascus Road experience. You see the radical transformation in an instant. And Bill, you and I both have seen individuals that in a moment, God has transformed them. Paul mentions this in 1 Timothy. He says, I am so thankful that God considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And so, so Paul would have no problem saying, do you think God can save what you think is an unsavable marriage? Absolutely. Do you think God can save a, a, a prodigal that has ventured so far from home you never think he can return? Well, of course he can. And do you think God can touch your life even though you think you've done so much he could never do that? Paul says, I'm a living testimony of God's faithfulness because he chose me the very worst to just simply put an exclamation mark on his audacious power. In your time, not only at Colonial Woods, but certainly in the years since and the years before, you've watched God transform lives. And you were sharing a few of those stories sure. with me. Would you mind sharing sure. a few with our congregation? Well, uh, there are probably some in here whose lives were changed. It may not have been a dramatic change, but, but maybe... One time when we gave an invitation and you came forward or you stood and made a commitment to Jesus Christ and your life was changed. But there's some of them just kind of stand out. It reminds me that the gospel is power. Paul said, I'm only coming and telling you about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. I I think, uh, and I told you, his daughter was in the first service. And Ron Flanagan was a defense lawyer. He was tough. And probably the first 15 years I was here, at least, never, to my knowledge, never came. He did a little legal work for us. I knew him, but his wife and daughter came. And, but then he started coming and just to church. That was a shocker. And then he started coming and bringing a Bible, and that was a bigger shocker. <laughs> So I said to him one Sunday as he was leaving, I said, Ron, do you mind if we would go out and maybe have lunch somewhere? So I talked to him about his spiritual walk. And at that point, he hadn't made a commitment. I said, would you, and I just felt, you you don't push this, just, if you'll just uh, let me know. One Sunday morning, I gave an invitation. I said, if you've made a commitment to Jesus and you've never made it public, but you would like to, would you just stand? And Ron was up like a flash. And I knew that he had made a commitment to Jesus. And he came to me, Pastor Phil, one time and he said, Pastor Bill, if God never answered another prayer, wouldn't Jesus be enough? And I thought, wow. And I said to him, I said, Ron, you get the gospel better than most. You know, oftentimes we're thinking about it for us. But if God never answered another prayer, Jesus would be adequate. And of course, many of them would know um, that... uh, Howard Colby. Howard came on a friend Sunday. We just had a friend Sunday. A friend Mark invited him to come. He came and he sat down right on the left side. This is in the other place, sanctuary. And he was sitting down there and I didn't know. I'd never met Howard. He was brand new to the church. In fact, I found out, I don't know that he had been in church in 20 years. And um, I give the simple message about Jesus (coughs) is a friend of sinners. And I went through the plan of salvation. And then I said, if you would, if you, and I probably led him into sinner's prayer. If you prayed that prayer, would you just stand, indicate that? I mean, he was up like a flash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't understand. He's new. Yeah, he thought he was going to get something free. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and so I went, I really wanted to say, sir, would you sit down? I went back through the plan of salvation again, just so he would get it. But he kept standing. Yeah. And he was radically saved that day. Yeah. He dove into the word. He gave up cocaine, which he hadn't given, been on, off of in two year, over two years. Yeah. Uh, he was faithful to the church. He was faithful to Bible studies, and he's in ministry today. I mean, that's the power of the gospel yeah. to yeah. change lives. And he's a good friend and, and uh, was, came back on our staff for a period of time and led one of our prayer ministries and, and worked often with individuals coming out of addictions and yeah. such. And he will, he will still point back to that day, back in the chapel, the old chapel, Absolutely. and he'll say, I was right there, and that's where I made my commitment to Christ. Absolutely. And he told me that whole story, sure. and it's amazing what God can do in a moment. And, and I was thinking about it, because I was, um, uh, when we had our baptism a few weeks ago, and we had about 62 folks who made public declarations of their faith. And some of them had been recent, some had been sure. for years, they wanted, to, they wanted to stand in obedience. But there were several of those testimonies Whereas I'm listening to the story, first of all, I was surprised they were standing up there because I, I remember the first time I met them and watching the faithfulness of God and what he can do. And isn't it interesting how <clears throat> infomercials will give you a 30-minute spiel on the, uh, an investment strategy or something like that, and then at the end, or a weight loss or whatever it is, and at the end of it, they'll say, past performance is not indicative of future expectations. They will always put a caveat. Don't, don't expect this. This is, this is radical. God is exactly the opposite. He says, I want you to see what I've done mm -hmm. so that you know what I will do. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely indicative of the future and the power that I have available. Pastor Bill, tell us, uh, in this passage, he not only looks at the past... But he, he does something with resources, and there's a, you, we see Paul going on. Yeah, and Paul talks about, you, you read it twice, uh, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, mine has not conceived what God has prepared for us and what he'll provide. Uh, one of my first books was on the promises of God and radical promises. And I remember we were we were working on that title and I said you know you preach these all the time and they don't seem so radical somebody had come out of the, the, the 60s generation and that whole revolution and they, they looked at me and they said pastor those promises are radical Yeah. and so these promises are radical and we, we dare not forget them because God is true to his word and, and I think one of the great promises of God's faithfulness is what we saw during COVID. I remember one guy saying, and I was online with him, and he said, I believe this is going to be the death of the church. And I th I'm just going to assume that it was the Holy Spirit. And I just spoke up. I said, no, I think this is going to be the best moment uh, uh, for the church. Finest hour. The finest I was on hour. the call. Yes. I was, I was oh, on okay. a video call, and I remember when you said that, and I, it was such a strong, encouraging word in that moment. And, and God proved faithful. I mean, the evangelical churches that I know that I have worked with, and I worked with a lot of them, I, I don't know that there were any 
that suffered financial loss. I mean, they may have, you know, might have been a little tight. In some cases, their expenses dropped. But God provided miraculously some at the same level. Some, they literally grew during COVID. Yeah. That's the faithfulness of God. But I'll, I'll, show, I'll just share one. Uh, we were, um, had just completed the two-story unit over here. And uh, we were still paying it off. And we were, had already started on this and whether or not we ought to go ahead. Because it's going to be a $1.6 million project. And we really didn't have money for it. And that was quite a bit of money back then. It's still a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. <laughs> like, just, but, uh, Today it's a very large house. But yeah. We'll, yeah, okay. <laughs> but... Uh, and so whether we should move forward or not. I mean, these are major decisions that congregations go through. And um, I, I got a call from a guy who had a business here. And our, our children um, would, they'd take care of his office and clean it. And so I was talking to him. And he said, well, you know, I sold my business. Well, I, I had heard that. And he said, and pastor, he said, I would like to tithe to our church. Well, he, he didn't come all that frequently that, you know, was our church. Then he said, I want to give some to our mission. I, I wasn't even sure he knew we had a missions program. But anyway, so he said 3,000 and something. And I, somehow I heard that 3,000 and something. And I think maybe I overlooked the shares part. Yeah. And I heard dollars. And I thought, well, that's great. Well, I get off the phone, I'm thinking... 3,000 some shares. It worked out to $186,000. Yeah. And 100,000 of that came immediately to the church. 86,000 was set in reserve for him to be able to distribute as he desired. But uh, I remember, I think it was Jerry Miller said, you know, that gave me that confidence that we could move forward with the program. It does help. I tell you, when you get a check for $100,000, it does do something to your confidence and faith. So are you making that a suggestion this morning? Hey. If anybody wants to know. I wouldn't be surprised there are not some yeah. who could do that. Yeah. Do you know, and what's interesting when you tell those stories, it is interesting how many times it's when you either had nothing in the bank account yep. or the economy had taken a downturn. You mentioned COVID. You mentioned St. Clair. We, we started a church, mm-hmm. Crossroads Church sure. today down in St. Clair. And, and in fact, it was so good to have the cadrets with us last yeah, night for absolutely. our banquet as we came together. But you said, but honestly, you almost wanted to back away from that one. Tell just a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I tell my son, and we have two sons that are pastors, and I tell them, your, your best opportunities usually come when you're least prepared for them. And God says, it's going to be me rather than you. And uh, St. Clair was a place we'd wanted to go, and we had set it in our five-year goals. We got to the end of those five years, and I said, guys, we can't do it. We'd had a downturn financially, a downturn in numbers, and I said, we can't do it this year. But we did. God said, it's not about you, Bill. It's about me. I will provide. I will take care of this. And uh, so, yeah, when the property crossed the street, $100,000 at the worst, (laughs) one of the worst times that I can remember financially. And I personally thank you for buying that because that was here when we came and and expanded. It it was just, hi, Tommy. It was one of those things that um, God just, I went to, I went to to one of our leaders and he said, if you don't get it, you're a bad leader. Oh, okay. Well, you tell me. (laughs) So they had the gift of encouragement. That's right. That's right. 
You, uh, you said uh, your best opportunities will come when you're least prepared. You didn't say that first hour. No, I didn't. You get better with time. You oh, do. Yeah. You, as you preach, oh, it just starts coming. Oh, yeah. you, you just, that's, yeah. a, that's something worth writing down because that's a great, that's a great truth that God will show up unexpectedly in some of the most unusual times. But one of the most touching ones, probably personally touched me, was how God provided for you. Resources, we always think of money or people or something like that. Share a little bit about how God personally met you during that whole time. Sure, yeah. Pastor Phil mentioned last night when, at our banquet, and he said... Few people realize many times how, many, how much pressure the ministry has on pastors, how many burdens they carry that people don't realize. And one of them was when we went into this building program, we had done all of our studies and all of our stats and all of that, but this was a major undertaking, 1.6 million and uh, over $15,000 a month payment. Uh, and I just, I really carried that. I'm thinking, what if the economy goes south? What if people get upset with me and they start leaving? What if, what if, what if, what if? And Phil, I was just burdened by that. And I was driving from Port Huron to Detroit once and I was listening to a radio station, seldom ever listened to it, but there was a guy preaching, it was a divine moment. He was preaching out of the book of Hebrews chapter six, verse 10. And in that verse it says, for God is not unjust and he will not forget your work, and the love that you have shown his, him as you have helped his people and you continue to help them. I thought, wow. That's a, and, and that day, God sealed that to my heart. And he said, God, he said, the word says, God won't forget your love and how you've tried to help his people. And you continue to, yeah, do you mess up? Absolutely. It's kind of like God says to the angels, there's Bill again. Go, would you go help him out? You know? And yet he says, God is not unjust. He won't forget. He'll remember you. And so that, that was a precious. Isn't it interesting how, again, we often think of corporate promises or we, we look at corporately how God has provided and resourced in the mm-hmm. past. But it really does become very personal. It does. And when you were uh, sharing this with me, I couldn't help but think about some of the tougher spots or the heavier spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can go back over a period of months when you look back, how God showed up here, showed up here, showed up here. And <clears throat> I remember uh, one moment on a Sunday morning praying when um, after years of being a pastor, the Lord uh, simply affirmed his call. I'd never sensed it like that since my mm-hmm. initial sense of call, um, just kind of walked in faithfulness. And I remember when he gave me that word and I remember saying to him, that was so kind. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do that. Sure, sure. But thank you for just letting me know. Yeah. yeah. And God will do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. He knows how to show up in your life and your marriage and your, your career and your your personal journey and your children's life. God knows how to do that stuff. It's can, amazing to me. Can I just say one other little side note? Steve Wagley, who was our treasurer at the time, came to me this morning after he had heard me tell that story this morning. He said, and you weren't the only one that was worried about whether we were going to make the finances. 
<laughs> I just wanted to put that caveat in. Oh, so Moses was leading with the Israelites. That's good. I like it. It's good. Well, <clears throat> certainly God and Paul knew of God's faithfulness in his own life and had seen the radical answer. Certainly he knew of God's divine resources. But one of the other reasons that he could share audacious promises like that is that he trusted that God knew exactly how to let him know what to do, when to do it, and at what time to do it. This passage is a great passage of how God wants to show up and give you wisdom and a word at the right moment. You'll notice he says, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit teaches all things, even the deep things of God. I, I love that verse. I mm -hmm. cling to that verse. He's able to teach even the very deep things of God. Verse 16 says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a statement. Paul says that as believers in Jesus Christ, who have been born again, <clears throat> who've known what it is to the ministry of the Spirit of God, that we actually have the mind of Christ because he's able to lead us and take us each direction in our life at the right moment. We as a leadership several years ago came together and we formulated some goals, some plans for Colonial Woods. And we, we weren't putting God in a box. We were actually just saying, Lord, as you will, we'd love to see sure, this happen sure. in the next 10 years. Got to be honest with you. We had a couple little things that sidetracked us a little bit. One of them was 2020. Had <laughs> just a little bit of a sidetrack yeah. on it. But it's interesting, they've stayed in front of us. And we've actually made progression. Um, one of them was planting churches. We want to be diligent about what we've done in the past. We want to be diligent of what we do in the future. And you notice that I think we've, we've partnered or planted directly eight churches. Uh, two during the 90s, and then we just kept on going into the, the over the next several years, and we've watched God provide and was able to, we were actually going to do a whole video thing. We just ran out of time to do it all. We'll bring it back some other time with some of those pastors pastoring today. Your, your son happens to pastor at one of them. He does. I, one, well, actually two of them, but one is in orchards. Yep. That's Jeff and Shalon, and yep. then uh, Josh is down, Ray Leonard down in Evident Church, both yep. who Chesterfield. we at least came alongside yeah, of. Yeah, sure. Those. No, um, in fact, I'm probably best, Margaret and I are probably best known, not by Bill and Margaret, but by Taylor's grandparents. Probably here you are. Yeah. She's the most recent, so. But we, we want to see 10 churches planted in the next 10 years, two directly, eight by partnership. I believe when you do things in partnership, it's not just us that get to celebrate, but sure. we all those congregations get to experience life-giving and, and the excitement of coming, seeing God provide. We want to grow locally. Now, it's interesting. We didn't think about God doing that through Internet. COVID kind of mm -hmm. changed that a little bit. This morning, we'll probably have about 400 folks who are going to join us live. There are folks throughout the week, but they're joining us online. We'll have probably somewhere around 1,200 here on the campus. Just depends. We've uh, got youth and children and such. But we believe locally that we've kind of situated things, that we've got plans that if we do this and this and this, at least we can make room for about 17 to 1,800 locally. We could campus and some other things. More importantly than that, though, is that we want to see individuals in in discipleship groups and community groups and connected groups because if we did learn something during COVID, it's that large is fun, but, but smaller is nimble. 
And we got to be able to be nimble, to be able to, to be right into people's lives. And so we've been talking about community groups and want to probably double that in the next couple of years, the number of groups we already have. It needs to happen in order for us to reach those goals. We'd love to see 400 individuals in committed, specific discipleship relationships, either being discipled or discipling others with the intention of discipling. This is the one that gets me excited. 10% annual growth through evangelism. That means every year, 10% of everyone who's at Colonial Woods has come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ over the previous 12 months. That is an astounding God figure. We're believing that. And of those, we want to see them follow through with the baptism. We, the last couple of weeks ago, that was part of wow, the celebration cool. is that we were seeing what God had done. Yeah. What God had done. Yeah. And then... You had a challenge I heard about very early when I came here. As we started to see young men and women that were going into ministry uh, and have different people say, man, you know what? That was a dream of Pastor Bill's. That was a dream of Pastor Bill's. I'd have leaders. Hey, that was a dream of Pastor Bill's. You had a dream about sending people into ministry. Tell I us just, about that. And part of the, you know, I love goals. You know, prayer request is a goal. And there's no reason God wouldn't want to answer. I mean, Psalms, 90, or Psalms 20 says, and may all your plans succeed. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So I want to affirm that. But uh, out, it, came in out, it came out of a time of getting alone with God and saying, God, what do you want for this congregation? And God just laid it on my heart that we would pray for workers into the harvest. The only prayer request Jesus gave us, Matthew 9, 37, Luke chapter 10, verse two, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord would really thrust out into the harvest field. So we started praying for 25, then we started praying for another 25. And you, you've just kind of continued that. I mean, this was, in, to me, this was incredible to see all these people up here. And that there were numbers that had to go back they were here last night, I had to go back home uh, because they have ministry opportunities today. So that was the goal. I, and I remember being with uh, Pastor Chelsea uh, at a regional conference here a few years ago when she was recognized for her license. And she came up to me and she said, Pastor Hostler, I just wanna say that I, I feel like I'm a result of that prayer the congregation started praying years ago to call people into the harvest work. Yeah. You set your timer on your watch at what time? I, two minutes after 10 every day my alarm goes off. It was funny, I was working under my trailer the other day. I was covered in dirt from one end to the other and I was working with two other, three other guys. We were trying to put the, the axle back on the trailer on the springs as a mobile home and my alarm went off. I said, guys, let's stop right here. I mean, we got ratchets up here trying to get these U-bolts on. I said, we're to pray for workers. So we stopped right there. And you can all do that. Put it, uh, you know, 37 minutes after nine or two minutes after 10 and just a reminder every day. The passages where so, Jesus tells us to pray for- Pray for workers. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. You've done that for years. Yeah, I have. Well, we, um, again, we wanted this to be God-sized and we, we have really developed an intentional internship program, transition internship, oh, uh, uh, which is kind of a residency program. And so we said, you know what, with God's help, we want over the next 10 years, see 100 individuals from Colonial Woods Praise and from God. those who come here to be launched out into the, the harvest field. 
And we won't believe that God is able to do that. Why? Because his past performance is indicative of his future promises and power. Last night, uh, we were sharing some facts about the beginning of this church. Many of you will know that there were two ministering sisters that began this church really with prayer. I don't think they were praying for a building. I think they were praying for people. Yeah, for sure. I think it was just changed lives. God to save the lives, 1898. Somebody asked me in first service if you were the founding pastor. I, just, I said I was just no. Gonna, I was going to just jump in and say, I wasn't there for yeah. <laughs> The first pastor was Abraham Kaufman. And um, got together enough money to purchase low property. Some of you remember the original church building on 11th and Ward. With his last 50 cents, he bought a beam. 30 feet long, 12 by 12. Building costs have gone up. That's all he had the money for. And the Haynes Lumber Company, the owner, delivered the lumber, that one beam, to the property. And Abraham said that he believed that God was going to provide and that he was trusting in God to provide the rest. And the owner was so moved by his faith, he said, tell you what, come back, get whatever you need, and they'll take care of it. And that's how the first building was built on 11th and Ward. Prayer, prayer for changed lives, and a tremendous trust that God would provide. That's not the challenge of the past. That's the projection and the challenge for the future, for us, the charge. Because he'll do immeasurably more than you can hope or imagine. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Gracious God, thank you for your faithfulness. I'm always encouraged when I hear the stories of faith. And Lord, I pray that you would just make this individual. This is not about just a corporate vision. This is very personal, the promises you want to do in people's lives, even the radical change, the break in addictions that someone may be facing today, that you're the God who is able to radically change and transform. You're able to rescue a relationship that seems unrescuable or a child who's gone so far away. Lord Jesus, we love you and we, we pledge to trust you in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you celebrate God's goodness this morning? Stand with me, would you? Let's sing to God's incredible goodness this morning.
before you go, would you help me do something? Would you, would you thank and show appreciation to Dr. Bill and Margaret Hostler for over 50 years, faithful to the harvest. Thank you, guys. Encourage each other. God bless as you go. All of our guests are going to be in the gym area. If you want to receive them, there's some uh, donuts and reception and all that kind of stuff. That's a great place to meet everybody. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your light. And there is no rival that could ever stand against